Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. It's the Late Show with Francie Weatherman. All right. Sunday night, late night radio. What fun. Up this morning, looking for my shoes. Look behind the trunk, found the hesitation blues. Lordy, tell me how long. Lordy, tell me how long. Will I have to wait? Will I have to wait? Can I get you now? Can I get you now? Must I hesitate?
another exciting episode here on Francie and Friends. Tonight, oh my gosh, I'm very excited. I love this guy. I have called him the nicest guy of four. And uh, Anita and Rachel Armstrong set and sci-fi also. Uh, he's, a, he's an amazing actor. He is an amazing person. He's just a downright good guy. I mean, he's the guy that you're going to root for. Uh, we got Matthew Wewell tonight, Nick. Yay. <laughs> Yay, we do. Hey. We do, don't we? We do. We really, you really do. do. Um, you really, really do. Uh, I'm right here. Hello. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do a couple of show announcements uh, next week. Um, if everything goes okay, we do want to wish um, – Patrick James Ryan, his son Michael is in ICU. Um, we're hoping for his son to have a speedy recovery as soon as everything's okay that Patrick James Ryan can say, all right, let's do the show. So he is scheduled for next week. He said, let me let you know. So we will have Patrick James Ryan uh, hopefully next week. Let's hope his son does very well. Michael, we are rooting for you. Patrick James Ryan, we wish you all the best of luck and uh, happy wishes. All right, Nick? Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, we, we wish yeah. him the best. Yeah. So, uh, all right. And I, the, uh, Patrick did uh, tell me that he is they there's ups now, so that's a good thing. Also, um, I got a I got a message, Eddie. Um, that next Sunday, Eddie Lingual, he called in with your friend. Uh, oh crap! I just had a brain fart. Andy. Oh man. Oh, I forgot his name, too. Oh, crap. Let's hope he doesn't listen. Don't send him a link to the... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, Andy... But he was on last week's show along with uh, Adrian Adrian Scott. Yeah, Adrian Scott. Yes, Eddie. Oh, Lee, a- oh you're talking in. about Adrian. Oh, the guest from last yeah. weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Adrian, yeah. Adrian so, Scott. He did a convention uh, today, too. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie Lingual, he called in for Adrian Scott, and he gave Adrian some really good advice on how to, you know, how to make independent films. And maybe we can get Adrian back on that show, too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Nick, drink <laughs> some coffee, damn it. <laughs> yeah, right, I, I, uh, I actually have coffee right here. Okay, uh, just a couple of more announcements. Uh, don't forget. Now, Matthew, if I'm not mistaken, I've seen you with a beard, right? I do have a beard, yes. <laughs> All right. I got this perfect uh, thing for you. It is called Honest Amish. If you go on their website, they got all your beard and mustaches needs uh, from Ooh. the gel to the soaps to everything. If you go to HonestAmish.com, Aaron D. Johnson, he's doing a really daggone good job at running that whole company. Uh, HonestAmish.com, 
Don't forget to put in the code word Talking Beards and you'll get 15% off. I got some samples from Aaron D. Johnston. That stuff is awesome. And it's made from all natural materials. Aaron D. Johnston, Honest Amish, Talking Beards is the promo code. I'm telling you, Matthew, you got to try this stuff. I will check it out 100%. You got to. It is all natural I products. <laughs> I I remember uh, Aaron D. Johnston. He sent me some samples in the mailbox. He was like, hey, have you checked your mail today? <laughs> and I went out to the mailbox. I could smell this aroma. I was like, what smells so good? It was our mailbox. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Honest Amish, Aaron D. Johnston, you guys rock. I love the product. I don't have a mustache and beard, but they also do have body soaps. And the packaging is so pretty, you don't even want to open it <laughs> and use it. But you've got to use it because it, it it works very well. Use it. All right. And then uh, one more thing, and then, Nick, we're going to let you make some announcements if you have some. One more thing. Uh, don't forget uh, to check out To the Rescue by Tommy Habib. It, it airs on the CW. Air, um, I was going to say Aaron D. Johnson. Tommy Habib, who is the Sunday night, <laughs> late night guy, he has this great show. He goes out into the country, and he rescues dogs, and he puts them into a dog park. And check out To the Rescue. It's a really great cause. He's doing a really good job. He's I've seen it where he, Matthew, seriously, like they were taking 32 dogs off of an airplane hangar and putting them into a uh, retreat. So well, these incredible. are dogs that he... He he goes out and he rescues these dogs, dogs that are being abused, and he, him and his crew, they they help the dogs out and they get them their forever homes. You got to check that out too. It's to the rescue by Tommy Habib. You're doing a fantastic job. It's hard to believe that you were the one who created the TV show Cheaters. So, all right. Nick, any announcements real quick, and then we're gonna we're gonna formally introduce uh, Matthew. Yeah, actually, a lot going on at Blackbed Cheat Books as usual. I'm just finishing up the third installment in our um, all women's horror anthology, a Scream in the Night, and this is a Scream in the Night three, and it's coming out this week. I just finished it, uh, putting it together and everything, so it's ready to be published. And uh, and also this week we've got. Uh, um, the latest in our classic horror um, fiction series, The Beetle by Richard March, Marsh, which is, uh, it, it outsold Dracula when they came out the same year in like 1879, something like that. And um, it, it's a great book. Uh, and that is coming out with a special introduction by Carson Buckingham. And, um, of course, um, like I talked about last week, too, the Canine Collection, uh, by Laura Schell, uh, which uh, has five stories in it that have to do with their horror stories, but they have to do with dogs. And um, then we've got a poetry book by L.A. Nance, uh, another uh, new uh, Twilight Zone book by Tom Sawyer is coming out. Also, and Matthew, too. Also, I'm going to make an announcement this week. Uh, we're going to have Read Us or Die, too. Well, that's what it's tentatively called. But I'm going to be asking all of my authors to like pitch in if they have like a short story or something they want to add to it 
They'll probably come out towards the end of the summer. Um, and uh, then we've got, um, oh, yeah. Hey, Mo, look. Uh, what is this? A Coffin of Stars by Matthew <laughs> Ewell. Oh, that's our guest tonight. Yeah, there's a, and it's the, the book version of, of his movie, Coffin of Stars, and that's just right around the corner as well. So, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff going on. Nice. <laughs> Things happening for well, uh, like like we like we mentioned, um, we do have a guest tonight. Here we go. Drum roll. I have no rhythm. Matthew Ewald, what's happening? Hey, well, this this. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. <laughs> Yeah, okay, before before we go on, I do have a uh, special recording that um, a couple of uh, people that you know, that you adore, they did want me to play this message for you. Oh, okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Thankful to pray for you always and to be able to say hi and to be your fans. Um, and we just wanted to send a voice clip because Francie was so gracious to offer that. So we could at least send you this message because it's likely we're probably caregiving and with our upside down schedule might not be able to call in tonight. Oh, and hi to Francie and Nick too. <laughs> yes, thank you both as well. We are so looking forward to hearing the whole show and hearing all of your thoughts and anything that you want to share, Matthew. We love Cop and Clock, the Ghost Pirates of Cop and Coast. And what a marvelous adventure story and so much heart and poetry and action and gripping descriptions just, just interlaced and woven throughout the whole marvelous story. And then the best part is seeing how the light and the love that the family together just shines, conquers the darkness, conquers fear, conquers death itself. Yeah, the faith that you just um, orchestrated through the whole storyline is absolutely inspiring, and it's it goes beyond this fantasical adventure. Parts of it come to my mind in real life, and God uses them to remind me to keep my eyes focused on what matters the people around me and it's it's just amazing how it brings certain parts to mind and it will apply to my life <laughs> yeah. and you've brought more magic and light and hope to us than you know from Galadar all the way on so we're more than we could ever fans <laughs> more than we could ever ever put into words right. <laughs> um, for us and of course our princess and our whole family so we were just watching Galadar actually last night and early morning and it just gave us such joy we were so thankful with our princess yeah all dancing together so yeah you're so cute the song came on and we just all were so excited <laughs> so we have a couple fan questions <laughs> yes so um we love how you knit together the story of the first story of the coffin clock and just wondering how when you're when you're writing is the story sort of playing out in your head are you because you're such a dramatic actor, um, are you seeing yourself in it and, like, 
thinking through it? Are you hearing it? Are you watching it unfold, almost like it's like a movie you're entering into the world as you're typing, or are you kind of working with the words themselves? I was just curious to kind of get in your head of your process of, right, as a writer, how this, because it plays out like we see it when we're reading it, and hear it, and hear it, and it's so vivid, so we're curious how you go about that process of bringing such epic stories to life. And the second question, goes all the way back to Galador, because there's so many times where I've wondered how it works when you're talking to Euripides and you're talking to Nepal, and I know you have the actors that are embodying the characters and doing the physicality and all of the motions and responses and actions, but then you also have the voice actors that are doing their responses in word form, and it's seamless, and the reactions are perfect, and the timing is impeccable, and it's just, how it's, does that work? Right. <laughs> is someone reading, or um, is someone off, off, off set, you just think through how they're saying it? And this is kind of cliche, but it's also probably a very hard question, but what's one character that either you would make up or create that you want to um, perform that you haven't done yet, or one that you love that's been created by someone else that you would love to bring to life in acting. And also in your writing, if you were going to pick like one of your favorite stories or movies, which one would you like to make into a book form? Because I know you've done that so brilliantly as well. And of course, this is getting long. <laughs> They're so cute. But we have one final question. In your Ghost Pirates of Cuff and Cove novel, there is so much humor, adventure, and joy, mystery, intrigue, and best of all, fame. So we were hoping that you could share something that inspires you to keep clinging to hope and shining that light in the darkness. And keep fighting and persevering for your family and yeah. love and light and life and joy and peace amid such chaos and craziness of this world. What motivates us? is knowing that Jesus loves us and he's right with us through everything. And God is so much greater than the darkness and fear of this world. So looking forward to this radio show gave us the excuse to reread your Coffin Clock book again. Oh, and so marvelous. It's so wonderful. <laughs> but it reminds us so tangibly, like how those trapped souls are released in that mining cave. How Jesus gave his very life to free us from our bondage to death, our slavery to our own sin. And when he rose in victory and triumphs over the grave, he gives that life to us and offers it to anyone who will repent and come to him and trust him. Yeah, it's like the gates of Galador have been unlocked and opened and anyone who chooses can come and enter into life and friendship with God. So thank you so much for with us and for everything. You won't know until we all get to heaven and God shows you the impact that you've made in our lives and so many others. So all that to say, thank you, Matthew. And we want to end by lifting you up to Jesus. This is a song that we love to pray for you from Colossians 1, 9 to 14 in God's word. Jesus, would you fill Matthew with the knowledge of your will? Give him your spiritual wisdom and understanding. Help Matthew to walk in a manner worthy of you, Lord. Fully pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work. 
and I don't, I, I kind of have a beginning. I don't have a middle or an end. So I'm just going to let the story dictate what happens. And I actually did the yeah. same thing for, um, uh, a coffin of stars that was, which I can get to later, but it's, it's a fun process when you're able to write and then just be like, all right, now I'm done with this chapter. What's the next step? And then just kind of let it come naturally. I, I, I really enjoyed that because for my other, my other books, I've, I've outlined, I've, uh, you know, I've like meticulously tried to figure and plot it all out. So it, it was very fun to kind of just allow the story to dictate where it went. Um, Honestly, what you're doing is you're letting your characters get into a situation without you even realizing it. And then you got to make your characters get out of that situation. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's like, like with life. I mean, you get up in the morning, you don't know what the day is going to really bring. You might have a plan. But, I mean, I remember with the the coffin clock, um, I, I think we got to some section of the book, and it was like, oh, crap, I really uh, I really dug myself a hole for this. How are, they, how are they going to get out? And then it's kind of like, well, how could they get out? How about some dynamite? Nah, that that might be too much. How about this? How about this? And and it was just it was fun to kind of work through. And so while I was writing, I had the characters work through, like, well, what if we did this? And it's like, what if we did that? And that was that was very freeing in a sense because you don't you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You don't know what you know if you do this will it result in something negative or positive. So it was a very fun way to kind of just be creative and you know, be free and not locked down to some preconceived notion of like, oh, this is how I formatted it. This is how I outlined it. This is how it has to be. So that was very cool. Yeah. 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 It's the unknown. It's kind of like you let your characters take a mind of their own. Oh, absolutely. I mean, for, and I don't want to give any way any spoilers, but again, for a coffin of stars, um, I, I had planned to, ha- to do something, and then it got to this point where it's like, oh, all this work I put into this this character, it would be better if the character hypothetically didn't make it. And it's like, oh, well, that's that's a cool thing. I rewrote the the entire ending of the film. I had it planned while oh, wow. I, you know before I started filming, and then I got I was literally on set, and I was like, nope, this doesn't work. Like after everything that that led to this this point, I need to change it, and and it's it's fun, you know. It's it's not a it's not kind of like a like oh man that that's a real bummer. Like I, I work so hard on it. it. It allows you to be creative even while you're doing this other aspect of it. So yeah, I mean you're very right. What you said was was beautifully said. It's just it's life as it's happening. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you know, I like uh, a funny thing too is I, uh, um, I kind of wrote the Everborn that way back in the day. It took me a long time to write, but I just kept thinking of, oh, how can I put the characters into this situation that I wasn't thinking of before? Let's challenge the characters and see what happens, and you know, stuff like that. Funny thing is, both both books, uh, yours and mine, are about aliens. <clears throat> but uh, oh, right. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'd but, like to. Uh, yeah, I'd like to share I, because I know what you're talking about when it comes to that. Yeah, and I have I have your book on my shelf, and it's actually it makes a little uh, appearance in the film on the bookshelf. If you look for it, you'll see your book. No um, yeah, right next oh, to communion. So? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like right next to communion and to some of these other you know like fire in the sky type of of books. Um, 
And well, yeah, because and again, I'll get to it, but um, it it happened so quickly. Uh, but yeah, I mean the. I love that genre. I love the, you know, the wonderment where you can mix, you know, horror and science fiction and and drama and all that stuff. And so, yeah, when I was filming, I I rented a kind of like a cottage out in the middle of nowhere and uh, which was just easier to have, you know, UFOs in the sky when there's not a city around you. And uh, and I brought a bunch of books and I was like, oh, Nick's book, everyone uh, put that on the shelf and the camera pans right past it when all of this terrible stuff is happening. And yeah, it was, it was very cool. Yay. Oh, that's, that's great. Wow. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, uh, you, you. know, you know what, actually what Nick is going to say, I'm honored. Oh, yeah, no, I no, am honored. That's, no, that's, 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 you know, I think, the, I think worlds of you both. And, and I think, you know, it's, I think with anything, especially when it comes to creating, like, again, we'll probably get to this, but I mean, I've been doing this since I was 17 and I'm 41. I've earned my living as an actor. You know, I've done, I've done, I've been so fortunate. I've done over a hundred projects and just over the last couple of years, I've gotten into making my own, you know, writing, directing, producing, editing, you know, being a crew of one kind of thing. And, and it's, it's such a, I cherish it. I love it. It gives me, um, it, uplifts my heart, you know, makes me happy. But I'm also, I find that when doing it, I'm, I'm really latch onto the things that inspire me. And so like Nick, you know, I've, I've never been shy of saying this. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of your work. I have been before I ever met you. I mean, that's why I reached out was, you know, yeah. your work and stuff. And so being able to yeah. put it on the shelf, you know, so when I'm in the scene and I'm acting against an alien, which is essentially nobody there until I reverse the camera and then I put on an alien suit and then I'm attacking myself. <laughs> um, you know, it's, I look over at the bookshelf and I see, for instance, your work and it's like, that's what inspires me. That's my, you know, that's what keeps me Aww. excited. And, and so, no, no, um, and I'm not blowing smoke, but it's just, it's the truth. So when you mentioned Everborn, I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe. <laughs> Maybe I should mention that. Um, well, and then, I, 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 I can almost guarantee when Nick says wow like that, he means wow. Thank you. <laughs> I know, Nick. Well, no, yeah. I mean, I think, I I think this business, this industry, whether it's, whether it's publishing or, or, you know, acting or, you know, filmmaking, any of that. There's, there's so much, and I, maybe I'm just becoming a little bit jaded in my, in my old age, but I, I'm, I'm finding that the industry has, has become a lot more disheartening, and there's a lot more, you know, the, the politics and money behind everything. I, I think we, we have to start remembering why we love doing what we do, and I think, you know, exactly. like there's a lot of, there's a lot of smoke, and there's a lot of, you know, kissing ass and all that stuff. But when it comes down to it, it's what inspires you, you know, like, what do you appreciate? What do you respect and all of that? And, and I think, you know, being able to have something on a set that reminds you to be inspired and that has kind of, you know, allowed you escapism, whether it be a novel or again, another film or something like that. And so, yeah, I mean, putting, putting things on the shelf as a little, you know, reminder while in the scene, I think that's, it's a benefit. It's, it's, you know, something that keeps you grounded and hopeful. So. Yeah. If you surround yourself with things that inspire you, that's one of the secrets of success pretty much. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think the other thing is, is like my, my, my outlook, my, my uh, belief of what success is, 
you know, has changed over the years, but I just, I'm, I'm lucky that I can be still doing this, you know, and then like still being able to pay the bills and, and it's hard, especially when, you know, things shut down or there's strikes or things like that. But when you, when you love what you do and success comes from, at least I'm able to create, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, oh, every single person, like you're a, you're a megastar, like who cares? I don't, I, I don't care. I just, if one person can enjoy a film or enjoy a, you know, a novel or something, then that's what I consider success, you know? And if nobody likes something, well, I'm proud of it. So, hey. I totally agree with you 100% yeah. there. Everybody's like, oh, I'm going to write a book, and I'm going to be a millionaire. Oh, I'm going to write this. I'm going to be – no, no. (laughs) You know, I had a daytime job, and Werewolf came out, and they were like, "Uh, why are you still working this job? It's like, it's called Books a Million for a reason. (laughs) You know, there's a million books out there. (laughs) You know, so, yeah, yeah, what what you're saying – yeah, you don't care about the money. It gets to the point where you just want somebody to read it, watch it. Yeah, I mean, take like to take a chance on it. I mean, there's there's a a billion people who would love to be able to do something, you know. And and I think I think we kind of owe it to ourselves that if we have a dream, you know, like success does not always in like it doesn't mean that you're and accepting an Oscar, you know, like, would that be wonderful? Sure, because you're recognized by your peers, but that's also a very political thing. Me personally, I, well, how incredible is it, is it that once you finish filming something and you or you finish writing something and you get to the very end of it, it whether it's edited or published or it's, you know, in the theater or, you know, on streaming or whatever, you sit back and you're like, okay, people are going to people are going to hate it just to hate it. You know, people yeah. are going to love it because they, they enjoy it, or some people are going to be like, ah, it was fine. But ultimately, that's great. But why are you making a movie, or why are you writing a book? Why are you writing music? It's because it comes from you. You have something that you want to put out there, and the success is actually doing it and getting it done. And then the outcome, whatever comes from it, well, you know, that's out of your hands at that point. And so, you know, you, everybody wants somebody to like their work, and nobody wants negative reviews. But, I mean, again, I've been in this business a long time, and I've, I've, heard, I've heard some really negative stuff, just as I've heard wonderfully uplifting stuff. And so at the end of the day, it's like I'm proud that I was able to create something. It's mine. Nobody can take that away, and I want to share it. And if you like it, great. If you don't, I'm sorry you didn't like it. But that's that. Yeah. There you go. Damn. Man, Yep. That's, yeah. well, that's, the way that's it works. why he's yeah. a nice guy of horror and sci-fi. The twin says and sci-fi. And sci-fi. No, yes. you're. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're. Uh, one thing. One thing that um, I noticed. I seen your recent trailer. Dude, you are sure, buff, yeah. man. You are buff. I'm like, nope, nope, well, that's not that's not my little Matthew Ewald. Nope, I've known him since he was in his early 20s. He's not that old yet. Dude, you are buff. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm, you know, you pass a mirror and you go, oh, boy, that's, 
<laughs> that's what a, a studio trainer gets you for until you're done, and then you're like, oh, and then this is this is why they call it uh, <laughs> cinema magic. Um, but no, yeah, I uh, I got for a, I did a film where I was a, a time traveling Viking uh, warrior. Yeah. And uh, and I put on 36 pounds of muscle, and and that Ooh. was that was uh, before that I had done I I did a film called Athena, and I got very skinny, very gaunt, because um, I was playing a uh, a guy who lost his wife in a fire. He was he was depressed. He got into a lot of substances, and he was just he was slowly just wasting away. And so I went from that film where I was, you know, very sickly looking to packing on all this, this 36 pounds of muscle. And, and I tell you what, you feel like a beast, you know, cause like you go to the gym, you're in there for like, you know, four hours a day, twice a day, um, you know, six, six yeah. times a week. And, and I mean, I like, I was always the guy that's kind of like, yeah, this is, Stupid! Nobody has abs like that. That's ridiculous. Like, who, who, you know? And then, and then it's kind of like, oh, but those are cool. Look at that. And, um, but no, I mean, it was, it was very, you know, it was. I, I don't consider myself a method actor in any regard. But when you're constantly lifting weights and and eating, you know, drywall and wood chips, you know, and chicken and broccoli wow. and just just terrible stuff and then you get this braided mohawk and you grow this massive beard out and you're kind of like you know your voice just suddenly becomes like really deep and you're like all right let's do this let's film and um and it just it kind of messes with your head but it was it was very fun it was it was an incredible thing but then after we wrapped and there's no longer the trainers or anything like that you're like well how how do how do I get rid of of this and then you realize you 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 kind of don't you, you you know you try to get healthy and and lose any unhealthy weight or whatever. But it's funny how it it fundamentally changes your you know your uh, your body. Like there's there's really no going back to that that very you know I used to be very lean and now it's just kind of like I have a I have a bulk to me which I actually like because it it makes me makes me feel a little bit more mature you know and then you get the beard with all the gray stripes in it and it's kind of like oh that that really works you know like I'm at that point where I'm no longer the the young kid who's trying to help you know save the world or whatever I'm now the the father or pretty soon I'm sure the grandfather who's like now come on kid you know but uh but no it's it certainly is fun uh to you know I've always been a big uh a big a fan of becoming a chameleon um, on projects, like never wanting somebody to be like, "Oh, that's Matthew Ewald." It's more fun to have somebody say, "Who? I, who is that? I, that? Who? I know that person. Who is that?" You know, where they don't recognize or a performance is, is allows you the chance to, you know, completely change up, um, like how you're perceived or what what you're what people think you're capable of. You kind of say, "Well, no, actually." There's more to that, and most of my career, yeah. uh, up until my you know late twenties, I was always the the hero. I was always the you know the the son or always the good guy kind of role. And then with this Viking thing um, later on, uh, the director was like, "Hey, instead of you playing one of the the heroes, how would you like to play the villain?" I'm like, "Yes." He's like, "Well, you don't know what it is." I'm like, "No, yeah. yes." Let's let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that. Because nobody entrusted me you with a villain before. You punched the air, didn't you? You know you oh, I think punched I, the air. Yeah. I think I jumped. I think I I think I you know, 
I think I breakfast clubbed my fist in the air and then I jumped and kicked my heels together. Um, no, it was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And I was like, and then I probably drove the director crazy because I was like, now listen, wait, 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 wait. What if I get like jacked? And he's like, well, what? And I'm like, what if I put on like, like, like muscle? And he's like, we have like eight months. And I was like, I can do it. And then I was like, what if I grow a big beard and then like a braided mohawk? And he's like, yeah, what? Okay, sure, Matthew. Just you know, don't lose your mind. And I'm like, no, no, I got it. <laughs> um, but it yeah, was it was hilarious because I was. And I was like, oh my gosh, where's my little Matthew? He's so cute. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I I I ate him and I I absorbed the cuteness and now I now I'm just you know. And now I can't get seen. I trim it where it looks, you know, presentable. But I love having a beard now because I just like, just like, oh yes, I've, I've lived. I know things. You know, there's like a, there's like a power oh, in having honest. like, yeah, it's it's funny, but, but yeah, it's all good stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I got, I got really, I got really big, and, I mean, I walked into a gas station once, and a, a, a cop was called. The guy who was running the – he was like, oh, wow. there's this dangerous-looking person who just came in for, like, oh. a diet Pepsi. Oh, yeah. So I come out of the oh, store, wow. and the cop's like, hello, sir. Can I ask you a question? And, you know, I'm like, like absolutely. What's up? You know, like, so stupid. And um, and he was like, well, what, are you, what are you doing out here? And it's like, well, I'm actually going to a film premiere. And they're like, you're an actor? And I was like, yes. Why else would I look like this? Like, let's be honest. And he was like, oh, no, cool, cool. Um. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it was funny. It, it was really funny to have that look for for. It was like we filmed for a, a very long time because it was different locations, and then other characters had to like grow hair and and do all this stuff because it's you know it's time travel type of thing. And I was hunting these these guys across the heroes across time, and um, you know essentially like butchering them and going after them and everything. And so I always kept the same look. But everybody else had a change look. So for like a good year and a half, I'm walking around like this, and um, you know, always in the gym, and it was it was a lot. It was a lot. I probably I probably annoyed my family tremendously. <laughs> wow, that so that's so the funny. I, that, that is because I've, I've seen photos and things too. Yeah, those those photos were like I remember the first. It's like I, I hate those photos where they're like, "All right, Matthew, now take off your shirt." And it's like, "Nah, I don't think so. We don't need to." But then for this, like, I have like I have like like, oh my god, there's a muscle back. I didn't know there was a muscle that grew back there. That's cool, you know. And then it's like, <laughs> let's do this. And then you're like, you know, you're doing like like such an ass. You're doing push-ups on set before your big fight scene, and then you get up and you're like, "Yeah, let's do this," <laughs> you know. It's it, it becomes this weird mindset of like. Like, yeah, we, so this final fight that, that I have in the movie is with this, this uh, an actor who's, he's like 6'1", and I'm 5'9", so I'm like a little, I'm a pit bull, you know, I'm like, you know, I got this braided mohawk, and, and I have to pick him up over my head and slam him down, and, and it was so easy to do, and afterward I was like, such power, you know, like, oh, yeah. I'm like, Arnold, I'm like, Arnold, this is amazing. But there's like a ring of fire around us. And I have this like war axe. And it was, just, it was, it was one of the most profoundly fulfilling roles. Because again, it was somebody, somebody took a chance and said, Hey, would you like to play the villain? And it's like, I would, I would love the opportunity to, to try this. And it was, you know, then diving into 
Well, the villain shouldn't think he's the villain. He should think he's the hero, but he does villainous things. And so it was fun to kind of reevaluate nice. performance and and dive into all of that. So yeah, it was it was really incredible, but ever since then, you know, that was a that was a short while ago. Um now I'm, you know, doing my stuff where it's like okay, well, I got the, I got the beard. I don't, I don't think I'm going to do a push up right now. You know, <laughs> like it's hard enough standing up. <laughs> like, why are my knees cracking? Oh. Uh, oh yeah, but, uh, Matthew. By the way, you get old. Yes, yes. So I, so I found out. Um, I love it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I actually, I love, I love aging because it, you know. Um, I think, you know, every day you kind of have a little bit more wisdom, hopefully, and you, you realize things that you didn't. The only thing that's really been bothering me lately, this is more like a therapy session, um, I hate watching, like, my heroes who I've, you know, I was raised watching, and then you suddenly see them, and you're like, oh, no. What, they're, they're, why are they so, why do they look so old? And it, and then you're like, all oh, right, life life goes on, you know, and, and so that's, that's been something that I've been trying to like get a grip on because like, you know, Indiana Jones is to me, you know, one of the greatest cinema heroes of all time. I named my cat Indiana Jones, you know, like, yeah, I, I love, I love, those yeah, I love that character too. Yeah. And he, and he's just, he's a great character. And then you kind of, you know, like the new movie comes out and you're so in, I mean, I, I'm not ashamed to say I had like tears those first 20 minutes. Cause you're like, it's, it's, it, it's Harrison. It's like right after the last crusade. And then, and then you see the hero who knows that he's aged and he's kind of going through this and it's kind of like, Oh man, like, and I think it comes full circle. It's like, well, why do you write? Why do you act? Why do you make films? It's because you know what? At the end of the day, everything fades, but you can have these adventures, whether you have to make them your own, write them yourself, whatever. You get to have these adventures and do these characters. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm having to close the door. We got like 40 mile per hour gushes of wind here in California. Like 50 mile an hour. It's devastating the yard. I'm worried about a redwood tree. It looks like it's almost going to fall over. Oh no! If it does, it's going to crash into the trees and the fence, and like, and like the neighbors are going to be pissed off. Why didn't you get rid of that tree in the first place? You know, and, and I'm just been <laughs> going out there every once in a while looking at it, and yeah, it's a scary. Uh, we have a 12 foot skeleton overlooking the pool that I keep for Halloween, but it's uh, it's hard to like take down, so I leave it there. But now it's like half gone, and, oh, and a lot no. of branches have been falling everywhere, and. It's just there's going to be a lot of cleanup to do. It's like it's and it's been like this all day long, and it, and it seems like it gets worse and worse too. Can't wait until it stops. I don't mind rainy weather and and winter and and stuff like that. I I just can't stand this wind. It's like you go out there and you get blown away. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, especially you know with yards and trees. I mean, it just every everything gets just decimated when it when it's those strong you know California winds. It's it's horrific. Yeah, and I just cleaned the pool too, and now it looks <laughs> like um, in, um, like uh, uh, miso soup. <laughs> oh no! Well, tomorrow I'll give you a little skimmer and you know just get back to work. I guess. Yeah. The balance is going to be a mess though. <laughs> 
So during the show, I keep like uh, every once in a while poking my head out to see what what else was just destroyed. <laughs> Yikes! I'm sorry. Anywho, to hear that. though, <laughs> drama. <laughs> drama, drama, yeah. drama. Yeah. Anywho, I mean, it, it could be worse. It, it could be a tornado. It could be something you know devastating. We we don't really have that stuff here. Um, and then I don't want to knock on wood, and then there's an earthquake suddenly. I mean, but uh, you know. Uh, I'm glad that we live here. We still seem a little bit safe when I hear on the news, uh, you know, things going on in the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that. Yeah. So, hey, say, before I forget, I've noticed, um, what's your obsession with the word coffin? I know, right? I no, it's this is this has been a conversation I've had with with many a people. Um, I I didn't even realize it, but so the first film I ever like wrote, directed, produced, you know, was called The Coffin Bound Kings, right? And then of course oh, wow. I have the uh, yeah, and then it's it's I I made it for my father. It's kind of like a crime heist film noir type movie. Um, you can find it on Amazon Prime. Go there. Um, I'm very proud of it. But uh, the title, you know, was about these guys who are essentially they're coffin bound. You know, they know that they're going to die doing this what they view as noble, and they're coffin bound. And then, of course, I have the coffin clock because a clock in the shape of a coffin is just cool. And it then, is. So, and then suddenly, suddenly, I'm so I was contacted by a, a group of gentlemen who are in Roswell, New Mexico, and they were doing a, a festival at the at a historic theater in Roswell, New Mexico. And they were like, hey, do you have a film in the genre? And I'm like, no, I don't at all. Like, I wish. That'd be awesome. But nothing that's like, belongs to me. And they're like, oh, you know, in, in about a month and a half, we're doing this event. And, and it's, at, it's in Roswell, New Mexico, and it's all genre films and all of this stuff. And it's like, you know, we wish you had a film. And I was like, whoa, whoa wait, hold on one second. I was like, I can make that happen. And they're like, you can get a film done in in under a month and a half. And I'm like, yeah, well, well, we will see. And so I I wrote this script in two days. I did two weeks of pre-production. I filmed the entire film in 12 days. And then it was about a week and a couple of days of post-production. And so I'm sure the neighbors thought I was insane because it was just me with a camera running around like a like a psycho. And then, you know, 4 a.m. I'm I'm in a jumpsuit with an alien mask on that's so realistic it feels like skin and stuff. And and so I did this and I was able to make it in time, but I needed a title. And I had written <laughs> I had written a, a novel that was terrible, but I loved the title and I wrote it like back in 2000. 2004, 2005, and it was called A Coffin of Stars. And I was like, hey, that's a, I'll take that title. And so I slap it on the poster. I'm doing all this stuff. And then uh, I'm asked, like, so uh, you really got a thing for coffins, don't you? I'm like, what? And they're like, well, you, you got a movie called The Coffin Bound Kings. You just did another movie called The Coffin of Stars. You wrote a book called The Coffin Clock. Like, you doing okay? You you fine? And it's like, it's like, oh, no. I didn't even realize. But, yes, yeah, so now I feel like everything I do has to have a coffin in it. Otherwise, I'm just a fraud. 
<laughs> well, well. It was it was wholly unintentional. I I, I promise you, but but then it was just it worked, and and then it's like oh oh shoot, well I I really did uh I really did do a lot of coffins of my own creative stuff, didn't I? But hey, I think it worked. Yeah. Whatever works. I mean, you know, yeah, those coffins are cool though when you're not in them. When you're or not if, in if them, if you're live yeah. and in them, and you come out and scare people, that's that's groovy. But, uh, or yeah. if you're a vampire or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think the you know I think the the interesting thing is is you show a coffin and I think it's the human nature to instantly know what it means, and so you 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 enter into whether it be a film or a book with a certain level of you know foreboding, kind of like, uh, you know, and so. You know, I think if you if you if you throw out like a genre like film noir or something, then you know that the the visual of that is like smoky bars and like ceiling fan intrigue, you know, black and white fedoras, things like that. You say coffin, and it's you instantly think of you know there's two options: there's either somebody in it or there's somebody not in it. And if they're not in it, why aren't they in it? You know, and if they are in it, then what happened to them? You know, it, it asks a bunch of questions with just a single image. And I just I think that's very cool. Uh, that is interesting. Um, uh, how did you get? Um, oh, I forgot her name now, but she was from The Exorcist into your movie. Oh, Eileen Linda Blair. <laughs> no, no, oh, Eileen Dean. Eileen Dean. Um, Eileen Dean. Yeah, she's tremendous. So when when I was writing the film, I was like. You know who's who's I've I've been very fortunate to work with some just astounding people that you know what I've admired my entire life or that I've you know I've worked with Clint Eastwood, Bruce Boxleitner, who you know Tron, um, amongst a thousand other things, but like Arnold Vosselu recently, and uh, you know the list goes on. I've been very lucky, and and so I was working on this film and I was like I want I want to write a role that's this sheriff who's going to be on the phone call and. Just and that's just what it's going to be, and and so I was uh, last minute. I was like, you know, I I just recently watched The Exorcist again. Um, and the new movie was coming out, and I was like, I wonder, I wonder what. I like. I wonder if Eileen Dietz would be because you know she played Pizzazzo. She was the face of of the demon, and yeah. and it was it just it held this kind of this grandeur where you know you know you know that face, um, and and I had recently I'd seen an interview with her where she was doing. Yeah, right. Where she was doing um the voice and I was like, she's got this great voice. You know, she's got she's got this voice that just kind of you know, it, it it says a million things, but she can only say one word and it just carries this like gravitas to it. And so, you know, I I made a phone call to her to her agent and I was like, "Hi. My name is Matthew Ewald. <laughs> you know, I'm uh I'm an actor, but I've over the last couple of years started making my own films. I have this film. Here's the poster. Here's the idea of it. Here's the synopsis. And I was wondering if I could hire Eileen to record some dialogue for a phone call with me. 
And um, and I don't know how it worked, but he was like, I, I just spoke to Eileen. She would love to do it, blah, blah, blah. And and then she she sent this dialogue, which was just amazing. Like she she really just crushed it. She knocked it out of the park. It was it was incredible. And so for me, as a fan of the genre and just, you know, the idea of like legacy and everything, it was it was very fun to talk to myself on the phone and just again just have the camera on me and I'm talking to nobody and then being able to overlay her voice and it just it all came to life so it was just it was one of those things where it's like it's iconic you know the exorcist is is a you know it's a legacy it, it will it will live for an eternity because of of what the film is and and when it came out at the time and and all of that stuff and, and it was just it was kind of one of those things where it'd be like i want to work with with uh somebody who was associated with it who you know i could actually enjoy a conversation with and, and so it worked out and I'm, I'm deeply grateful to her for you know for taking a chance on it because you know like <laughs> I wasn't sure what the film was going to be or how, you know, I'm very overly critical and self-deprecating when it comes to certain things, but um, I'm very proud of the film. It was great to and have now after, after the I mean, last year or so, I mean, it won a lot of like film festival awards. Yeah, so after the Roswell um, New Mexico screening, um, I was like, well, that that went really well, and now I'm now it's time to you know figure out what to do with it because I never I didn't think about distribution or anything, and so I was like, I wonder what you know I think it would be fun to try to submit it and just see what's what and you know submit it for some reviews and stuff, and I'm um, I'm very grateful. I mean, I have a lot to learn when it comes to filmmaking. Um, you know, I've I've always tried to take inventory of the sets that I've been on and. Oh yeah, you never stop. You never stop learning. And so it was, you know, every film that I've been on, um, I mean, I shot a film in Cambodia, a Vietnam War film where I literally we had a, a some of the cat or some of the crew, excuse me, got heat stroke and they ended up having to fly back to the states and so there was nobody to run, you know, slate or hold the boom pole and it was like, I'll do it. Like we're all a team. Let's oh, let's wow. create this thing together. And so I learned a lot about like audio and and all of those things. And so it was you know it's fun to be able to 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 like work as a team and i don't think anybody's above anybody if a sandbag has to be moved and help help the crew move the sandbag you know and and i i've always loved the mentality of you know like we're all trying to create something together you can't you know there is no i i get it when it comes to like you know the the totem pole of it all like well you have the hierarchy and all that like i understand that and with bigger studio films and and things like that i i understand it but it doesn't mean that you know if you're if you're number one on the call sheet that you're more important than the hundredth person like everybody's working to create you know something and and so i you know i'm gonna make a cheesy line i'm gonna say there is i i used to coach a basketball girls basketball team there is no i in t-e-a-m exactly Exactly. And and I think there is a level of of you know well, not a level. There's ego in this industry a lot. And and I just I never understood the the idea that you you kind of raise your nose at somebody whose background because I'm sorry, that scene can't come to life unless you have people who are background performers, you know, or 
catering or craft service, you know, the, the, the prop man, like all of these people are doing it. And, and for a coffin of stars, again, it was just me, um, as, as the crew. And so I, I got some actors and I was like, we're going to do this. And I mean, I lit the set. I, I mean, I poured everything I had into it, but you know, and then you submit it and you're like, now is a, it's not really it would be fun to win or to be nominated like that's always a wonderful thing but for me it was i want these are people who owe me nothing you know it's not family it's not anybody who you know has anything to gain or anything like that from me and so they will look at it with a critical eye and some of the reviews i mean they were tremendous like they it was incredible to read um but then I noticed like, oh, audio. I I have a little work to do in audio. And like, you know, and that's always something that's always, even on my first film, it was like, ah, man, I, I just don't quite have a handle on it. And so I know for my next one, um, I'm gonna work with an audio engineer to at least either learn or to have on set. And so I think submitting it and doing those kinds of things is very beneficial because it helps you learn and grow. And and if I'm gonna continue doing this, you know, making my own things as well as, you know, auditioning or booking other things, it's it's really good to kind of know about, you know, not just the acting or, you know, directing or being a director of photography or editor. And, you know, it's, it's good to know every actor aspect and and so yeah the the film festivals and and the reviews and everything they were tremendous uh and very beneficial in learning how to kind of progress that's what i thought about uh with being a publisher is uh if you're going to do it learn every aspect learn how to design the book covers edit the interior format the interior <clears throat> do the advertising do the uh you know you know the, that the whole nine yards with that, and and plus it helps being a writer as well. Well, sure. But yeah, well, and wanna, even if you're a plumber, you know, learn everything that there is to know about it and be the best one there is, or at least try. And you know, it's you know, I you know. No, no, a hundred percent. No, and and see, that's the thing that I think is is really important is like when. I got a lighting package, and so I have two lights, which are incredible, and, you know, you can adjust the, you know, however you want it to hit the scene and everything, and I was filming this um, for a little of the film. It's my character is talking to a detective, and, and I wanted this classic kind of detective, you know, kind of seven meets you know, like true detective kind of vibes. And so I wanted to have that swath, uh, swath of light cutting through where it looked like light was coming through the blind. Um, and so I tried filming in a different, like a couple of different places where that light would come through and I just, I couldn't get it to work. So I watched, um, I watched horror films and I watched cinema that I really loved, um, but I focused on just the lighting. And it was like, oh, this is the lighting I want. How did they do that? And then I'd look up a making of, and I would, and I saw that they essentially they just rigged um, uh, uh, blinds and then put it on like a C stand or a light pole, and then they shot the light through that, so they were able to get the blinds to cut where they wanted. I'm like, of course they did. Like that's genius. Like why didn't I think of that? And so that's what I did then. And you you never stop learning because there's people who are a hundred times more talented. <laughs> 
who have been doing this forever, but it's kind of like everything kind of becomes symbiotic. Like, okay, I can learn from this. I can learn from this. And you, and you grow that way. And then the next one gets easier and easier and, you know, vice versa. But like with publishing, I, I can't imagine because, you know, you sit down to write a book and then you're pouring everything into the words, but you're also, I mean, do you know, if you don't know about the, the cover art or the jackets or dimensions or this or that or the publishing like I can't imagine and you just you learn through trial or through you know doing it yourself and I bet you I bet you that makes you a, a better author just because you know more about you know you have more knowledge in your in your skill set about what works and what doesn't yeah more knowledge about that more knowledge of the industry and, and how it works <laughs> it makes book First you chop down the tree, and then you... <laughs> But, uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's good to know everything about your profession if you want to take it seriously. Yeah, well, and I Thank think, you. you know, that's... Yes. Oh, no, go ahead with your sentence. No, no, for, no I was just... I was going to say, we're going to be cut off soon. We're no longer live. Okay. Oh, we're in the after-party thingy. Yeah, I would love to have you back on. And I was kind of thinking if we get, uh, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to get Eddie Lingual, uh, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. Okay. Would you like to help co-host that show? He's he's an independent filmmaker who's done actually a lot if you want to Google him. Sure, that would be wonderful. I'd be honored, yeah. When is that? Oh. You said that's next Sunday? It would be not, uh, the, Sunday, not next but Sunday, but the Sunday after that. Okay. Sunday yeah, after so like, the Super Bowl. Oh, Sunday after the Super Bowl. Okay, let me shoot you an email because I'm currently – I start filming uh, a limited series uh, next week. Um, and so I just want to check because I know that we're – we're a little behind schedule because we're starting late because of the strike. Um, so we are shooting some weekends, but I don't think we're shooting on Sundays. So let me, I'll shoot you an email and let you know as soon as I check my schedule. Yeah, and uh, Eddie Lingual, he's done quite a bit. He's done, uh, maybe he's done a lot of movies that you can watch on uh, streaming. Uh, Mary Sweet. Hatchet in a Basket. He's, he's yeah, he's he's very talented too, and you know if you guys can meet, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, learn something from him. Absolutely, that'd be incredible. Yeah. yeah. Hey, say, I, I wanted to say before we go and everything that uh, um, um, I saw um, a really great movie the other week. Um, besides, I watched Plan Nine again. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I have to go back to that. It's a great ensemble cast, and, and you're great, Mr. Lobo, everybody. But I saw a movie that I didn't expect I really liked, and it reminded me, not having seen yours yet, it reminded me a little bit of yours. It's more of an independent film, but it had a lot more financial backing to it. So it's uh, Extraterrestrial by the Vicious Brothers. Oh, I've heard. It's on my list. Yeah, that's a, that turned out to be really a great movie. And I saw the making of it and what you were talking about with the lights behind the curtains. They did that, too. They, they showed yes. that. That's reminded me of, of, uh, of uh, when I watched the making of that because I liked it so much. I, you know, that's the great thing about these days about DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff. You can see, like, all kinds of interviews and making of them and whatnot. Yeah. 
I dig that. Um, so yeah, yeah, it reminded me of that. Um, well, it's so funny doing like doing uh, extraterrestrial films, like because. Uh, so I did all the, the special effects in the film, and I got to one point where it's like I need this UFO front and center in the sky, and I worked on it and worked on it. I'm like, you know what? Less is more. I'll let the audience know. I'll let them decide what it looks like because this looks like crap. This is awful. And so you kind of yeah. be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scrub that, but it's, it's fun to watch these independent films like come up with stuff that you're just you know just it's breathtaking because you're like how did they do that with no budget that's incredible and uh, yeah i mean i i love that stuff i mean that that's it's very hopeful because like the budget for a coffin of stars was what do i have in my wallet you know there, there was yeah there was like i got 12 days to shoot this thing i, I can do it um i need an alien mask Oh crap! I need an alien mask. You know, and so it becomes like Jaws. Like, well, you don't have to see the alien for a bit. Um, but no, that's that that movie is on my list. I'm actually excited to see it. I also just recently saw one that was uh, No One Will Save You. Um, oh, check that one that. out. Yeah, it's it's ah, really okay. good. It's really really good. Um, it's one of those things where it's like I wish I had somebody who is like like just be like Matthew what kind of what kind of like uh directors or you know actors do you want to work with and I'd be like I want to work with these people and they're like well don't you want to work with you know like the this movie's coming out in theaters or blah 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 it's like no 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 I want like I want the independent filmmakers who are just passionate about creating and let's just like how fun it is to feel that again you know as opposed to everybody's just on set and like all right, well, so we wrap at this time, uh, lunch is at this time, and I guess action, let's let's do it. You know, it's like there's no passion there. Like I, I really love these these filmmakers who are kind of, you know, they've, they've grown up with cinema, they love cinema, and they're looking at it and like what can we do different? What can we make, you know, completely unique? And then they, they, they fight and claw and bleed to create these, these films that are just like, man, that's the stuff right there. Yeah, that is the stuff. I love stuff like that. You see that in independent films, and you know when it comes to like Disney and all the you know stuff that they put out in the movies and stuff. It's all recycled uh, garbage in a lot of ways, and you could just tell that there's absolutely no passion in a lot of those things. I'm not talking about all of them though, but you know there's there's just no passion. And the passion is with independent filmmakers. Yeah, and I mean, I think I agree with you. It's not all movies, but it it is it is kind of funny to to sit down and watch a movie and you're like, man, there's no like there's not that that level of like there's no risk. Like you don't see it, it's very standard. Like okay, so they did a two shot here, they did this, they have this beautiful scenery, but there's no like. I don't know. They didn't pan around like they. It's just. It's just an interesting thing to see these big, big budget films be so like standard. You know, like how they're just locked into the the method of making it, and it's very kind of like paint by numbers. And then you get these these other filmmakers who, you know, whatever platform they're going to try to get it on or whatever. 
Encore, like we have the same sweeping vista or whatever. And what we're going to do is we're going to have the camera low. We're going to push through the grass. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And like you see them all be like, oh, yes, but what if we did this and we attached it to this? And and you see that like in the making of you see them kind of the energy of excitement. You know, it, it kind of becomes, it spreads like wildfire. And and that's yeah. the stuff that I think, you know, you get you kind of get older and you're like, man, that's how that's how I was. And that's how I still am. But there's other people who are doing it. I can tell by your excitement and your voice that that's still how you are. Oh yeah, I mean, it, I, I think if I ever lose that, then I have no, I have no business trying to, you know, continue my career. Say, <laughs> hey, how's um, your pursuit in um, getting a distributor going with Coffin of Stars? Um. So. It was it was going really great, but unfortunately, with the strike, um, oh, the, yeah. you know, the SAG strike, the WGA, everything everything got so pushed and delayed. And unfortunately, one of the distributors that I was talking to, uh, they they ended up shutting down. Um, so I wow. I feel terrible for them that. But um, so no, so I'm I'm looking. There was a few that I've I'm I've been talking to, but I'm actually thinking that I might just put it out myself, and then on the third one, I'll, with now that the strikes are over and we'll kind of I'd like to do bigger and better. You know, the the next film I want to be better than the the second one, and then hopefully the second is better than the first, and and go that way. But. Um, no, I mean, it was one of those things where I was like, I was looking at like, oh, what about Full Moon or what about Trauma or what, you know, you're like, you, you kind of get like, what about streaming? What, would Netflix like this film? I don't know. But then, then it's kind of like, well, I don't, I don't know much about that, the distribution thing. So I have a lot to learn there, but I do really want to get it out. So, you know. I, I, I do, I do know somebody that does distribute films. Or he he's very um, good at it you, though. You're talking about you, Thomas Churchill. You? Yeah. Oh, Churchill. I know Churchill. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's he's wonderful. Yeah, he's oh, he's had Thomas. from what I've seen, he's had tremendous success with his stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he Why might he might help. Um, maybe we can uh, hook you you two up. Yeah, actually, I have, I have his contact, uh, oh, okay. his contact stuff. Yeah, so oh, cool. yeah, it's 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 one of those things where I always want to, you know, of course, be respectful and and you know, uh, not overstep. That's my one thing. I, I still worry that like I'm overstepping when it's it's still a business. You know, it's like people all the, all you have to do is say no or say yes. Like that's perfectly fine. Um, Edward, uh, Edward, no, I'm sorry, Matthew. Remember when I was uh, drunk doing a couple of the radio shows and, um, you know, Thomas was on the show? He always forgave me. Nah, Thomas Churchill, reach out to him. He will He will probably distribute. Well, hopefully if, if he likes it, <laughs> you know, yeah. it would be, you know, I don't want him to be like, oh, this boy, this is a crap film. But he's a nice guy, so I guess I should do it. Like, no, I want it to be, want it to be a win-win for everybody. So I will definitely, I'll give him a, I'll shoot him an email. Tell him Francie and Nixon. Well, I guess you know. That sounds very mafia. I love it. Be like a comment. <laughs> 
Francie yeah, Nick sent me. Thomas Churchill because Nick was talking about doing one of his little uh, independent films, and Thomas Churchill says, "I'll distribute it for you." So. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta actually get, get with that. I want to do uh, either my Cutting Edges movie or this movie that I was involved with that I co-wrote the script for, called Into the Basement, a while ago. Because when I, I actually, um, I actually wrote the script, but it was based on another script. But I kind of changed a lot of things and stuff, and I saw everything perfectly in my head, like I could direct it. I and I. I I don't know anything about directing, but I, I know where to point the camera and I know how to set everything up. Um, sure. So, and I, I was kind of fooling around with that. Um, I even got uh, a Two Foot Fred was supposed to be involved in that. The, um, uh, the dwarf uh, that uh, was known for big and rich videos. Everything. Oh, yeah. He's, he's great yeah, I, uh, he was going to be my mortician in it. And oh, stuff. very and, cool. And the morgue was going to be to his size. So everybody else, uh, normal size, they have to kind of uh, lower their heads when they walk in to the to the morgue. Oh, that's, really, very, that's very unique. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, so maybe, you know, one of those two projects. Uh, the other one's a shaving cream creature that eats people. Um, I remember that but, one. I, rem- I remember that one. Yeah, so, you know, some sometime at some point, you know, got to put my head to it. Eddie Linkle, he's got movies streamed on all these streaming networks. Maybe Eddie Linkle could even uh, point you in the right direction. Well, it's funny because uh, Mr. Spielberg's not returning my calls, so I'll take any help that I can get. <laughs> but even Eddie Linkle, I mean, he's gotten his movies distributed. Maybe he's distributing them too. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's I think that's the the cool thing about like these people that you're mentioning is that they all started at a place where I mean, I'm I'm assuming very similar where it's like, okay, well now we created this this thing that we're we're happy with or that we want to get out there, how do we do it? And so, I mean, I think about like when I first got out to LA, you know, at 17, it was mom and I, you know, and it's kind of like wouldn't have been wonderful if we had uh somebody who could kind of show us the ropes. You know, but we just went into it blind. It's like, well, you know, and so I think you you learn, you progress, you have success, uh, or you accomplish some stuff. You you know, good good things happen, bad things happen. You grow, and then you get to a point where you see somebody else who's kind of, you know, at the beginning like you were, and you're like, oh well, you know, I I I'm in a position to lend some helpful advice or to do this or to do this. So I think that's wonderful. You speak very highly of them. That's I'm sure they appreciate that. Thomas Churchill did. I'm sure David Lee Madison. I'm sure he would give you a helping hand. So um, Eddie Lingle. I mean, he's. If you want to help me co-host the show, not this Sunday, but next Sunday, and um, you know, I'm sure he will give you excellent advice. He gave he gave Aaron Clay really good advice. When Aaron Clay Aaron was on Clay, the show. you mean you mean Adrian, Adrian Scott. Oh, yeah. And yeah, last, last Sunday. <laughs> Adrian H. Scott. Yeah, he called in to the show and he was like, "Yeah, let me talk to the guy," and he gave him good advice. 
See, and I think that's so, incredible. I think it's incredible that somebody's somebody's there to do an interview, to talk about their work or whatever, and then somebody else calls in and saying, "Hey, I really appreciate some advice," and it shows kind of the how down to earth and how, you know, kind somebody is to be able to say, "Let's, uh, you know what? Uh, let's push my stuff to the side here because I want to want to help this person out." That's very cool. That's very cool of him that he did that for for Adrian. Let me tell you what kind of camera you got to use. So, I mean, he was even giving them the camera use. No, don't use that camera. Oh, yeah, don't yeah, I remember he said something camera. like, uh, they won't distribute you uh, these days unless it's uh, unless it was filmed in 4K. I remember right. he said yeah. I was going, huh. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting what the uh, what the the requirements are nowadays. Like, you can't do this, you can't do that. They'll only distribute it. It's only for streaming if it fits this criteria. You can only do it, like, Amazon Prime if it fits this criteria. It's really interesting that, you know, I, when, I was, when I was back in Minnesota as a kid before I ever started, you know, I had my, my parents' camcorder, the VHS camcorder, and I was filming, you know, vampire movies on that. And you think about, like, oh, man, how far we've come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, because I used to do the same thing, like in the '80s, with my uh, camcorder and stuff, VHS camcorder, and and then you know later on with the little that uh, the uh, the tapes got smaller and smaller, and and then uh, now it's all digital. Um, or yeah, or and, a cell phone. Uh, and I mean, the look at what you can do with and a everything cell phone. is just fantastic. And it's, anybody it's can do it. Anybody that can afford a decent camera can make a movie pretty much with some ingenuity and whatnot. Well, and I mean, I think about like, man, think about a, a Blair Witch Project. Oh yeah, like, yeah. No matter no matter what anybody thinks about the film story or anything like that, just let's push that to a side for a second. How how astounding was it that they were like. We're going to do this. We're going to film it. It's going to be, you know, uh, handheld, this whole thing. And and then the marketing, the idea of, like, let's pretend these people really disappeared. Like, I know Heather Donahue, who who was the lead female in that, I mean, she worked on Taken with Spielberg after that and, like, an astounding cast and crew. But it's like I remember seeing those uh, missing person posters going – Wait, is this re- like oh, like my my ignorance and my naivety was like this is incredible and and you completely got lost in it and and I mean that was just a VHS tape like think about that and then think about how far I mean now people like Christopher Nolan or Denis Villeneuve they're they're shooting on um on like IMAX cameras and then you can literally right now I could go in my backyard put some lighting on and film on my cell phone. And and the quality holds up, you know. It's 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 fascinating to me that, yeah. Speaking of the Blitz project, I was a manager at the Windsong Ten Movie Theaters in Columbia, South Carolina, and we had the Blair Witch story. I cannot tell you how much puke we had to clean up in that theater. <laughs> Because of the motion thickness of the camera. People got so, that's amazing. so much motion. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. You know, it's it's funny I because, to, like, I want to... Uh, I have to 
I had to send ushers in front of that theater door because little 13-year-olds want to say, I really want to play Reach Project. I had to put ushers. Oh, man, the Blair Witch Project was such a fun opportunity. I think what's so incredible about, like, the Blair Witch Project is it's it takes the the unknown and what people are afraid of and it, it allows you to completely and i'm sure i i think if i remember correctly um the gentleman uh one of the directors eduardo uh he was like talking about budget and they, they didn't they didn't have budget it was just a film school type of thing and so they couldn't they couldn't show like this horrific witch blair witch type thing but it was it was like with Jaws, Bruce the shark kept on breaking down. And so it was less is more, what you didn't see. And then you think about like The Exorcist, you see Linda Blair with the makeup and it's like, you know that it's something vile, that it's something dark. And and then like with Poltergeist, you know, you, you know he's, he's tying a rope around his waist as the closet door is open and you have this giant, you know, this spectral like demon creature or the clown or the static on the television like you see these horrors with like freddy krueger and 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 jason Voorhees. you know what you're facing but with something like the blair witch you didn't know what it was you were right there and you're watching it it felt very grindhouse it felt very voyeuristic because you're watching these tapes and and you don't know what's in the forest, but you see these little wooden figures, and then you hear voices of like children. And it was, it was completely like I remember leaving the theater, being like, "What the hell, man? Like, I don't want to go camping. Like, that's a terrible idea. Like, why would anybody go camping now? Like, yeah. Like, I, I grew up in a I grew up in a, a place called Mound, Minnesota, and it was named Mound because of the Indian burial mounds or the native excuse me, the Native American, no. like, burial grounds. No. And it's like, it's like, wait a minute, where, what is our house built on? You know, it's like, <laughs> this, is, this is terrible. And and that was the beauty of, of that kind of film or, you know, the horror genre where it's less is more. I mean, you didn't see what was in the darkness, but you knew something was there. And the audience is allowed to help create the film without even knowing that they're doing it. Yeah, it, it, I, I, I'm going to have to agree with you on this one because um, when, or I, you know, as manager of movie theater, I got to see it before the public did because <laughs> we watched it at midnight and uh, all of my staff was there and we were like, yeah, Blair Witch Project. When I was driving home, Percival Road, it was like where... You know, nobody knows how South Carolina is, but you got the uh, U.S. Army base in South Carolina, and you got these woods, and driving down Purple Road, it's like all woods, and I'm like, oh, no. And I had my convertible down, and uh, (laughs) when I hit the red light, I put my convertible up. I was like... No, I don't like this situation. Well, and see, I think that's so. I, I, whether I succeeded or not, I'll leave that up to you know an audience. But with a coffin of stars, it's basically about one guy who has experienced 
these things that happen. Um, and then it's he's all alone in the middle of nowhere, and these things come looking for him. Um, and it's, it was it was weird because it's like I was filming in the middle of nowhere by myself. You know, I'm setting up cameras and everything, and there's there's forest and all this stuff. And then it's and then it comes time to like I film all my stuff as as my character, but then I need to have all the reverse stuff on the alien. And so I put on the suit, I put on the jumpsuit and everything, and I walk outside, and you you feel this like it's creepy. Because your 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 mind, your imagination is playing. I'm like a grown ass adult. I'm like, well, come on, dude. Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing? But you 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 hear these. You know, you're out there, and then all of a sudden you hear a coyote or something. And you're like, man, I love this. This is this is fun. Like, if I'm feeling this, then will an audience feel it? And I think that's that's the beauty of of the genre is that it it, it allows you to kind of deal with those primordial fears, and you know, hopefully tell a good story. But yeah, when you're all alone, whether it's on a stretch of road or in a house, it's kind of like there's nothing outside your door, or at least you hope not. But you you suddenly think with every creak of the house or a gust of wind, you know, if a light flickers, you're like, oh, crap, what is that? Agreed. (laughs) Agreed. Yeah, wow. Well, I I can't wait to see it. It's going to be groovy when that day may come. Well, relatively soon. We have, um, um, I know there's an advertisement coming out in the next issue of Delirium Magazine for it. Um, Oh. There's, yeah, that's very exciting. There's a final trailer that's ready to release the moment the, the film is ready, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm again. I'm very proud of it for a second feature. I think I've, you know, I've learned a lot from my first, and yeah, you know, I wanted it to feel like a little bit of a, you know, like a cosmic odyssey. One guy who's just experiencing these things, and then you know, it gets a little deeper and deeper and deeper. And you know, I was able to pull from things that I've I've loved growing up and whatnot, like Fire in the Sky and Communion and Alien and you know, 2001 stuff like that. But uh. I hope people enjoy it if they see it, even if only a little. And, uh, you know, you, you never stop creating, so, of course, there's always a third. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, Matthew. Yeah. Uh, they are about to be cut off. Uh, let people know where they can see you. Um, or find you if they're looking for you. <laughs> Listen, guys, I told you I'm not going to give you my address. Um, no, um, so I am – I don't really do much social media um, anymore um, just because I've had to do so many NDAs with projects that I realized, like, what's the point if I can't talk about any of it? But um, you can find me on uh, Twitter, uh, just my name, Matthew Ewald, um, and then that's that's basically it, IMDB, and I'm, uh, I'm constantly kind of promoting and trying to get stuff out there, so – uh, <laughs> I, I should probably work on that. I should probably get a website after all of these twenty plus years. But you know, I'm a little slow to it. Damn, I found you that. Dude. Uh, no. I think people are fading yeah, out. Matthew. Uh, let let me ask you, um, if I did uh Edward Lingle on the show, do you wanna be the co host? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let me again. I need to check that schedule just because we start filming. Um, but I will absolutely. I'll shoot you an email here um, as soon as I get off, and I'll check my schedule, and I should be good for that Sunday. All right. Um, if you want to send me an email, I'm W. Francie, F-R-A-N-C-Y, at yahoo.com. Oh, I got your email. Okay. We're good. Grooviness. All right. Groovy. Good. Well, Uh, thank you both so much. uh, Matthew, by the way, we're the number two most popular show on Block Talk Radio out of 400 shows tonight. Oh, well, that's incredible. That's because of you and, I mean, Francie, come on. People love you. And, and these days, too, uh, we got distributors. We're also on iHeartRadio and et cetera. Did, did you know that Howard Stern pranked us a couple of times? I did not. Did he really? Yes. Oh, no. And, and he actually, I had like an author uh, friend of mine in New York, uh, Alexander Beresford. He, he called us up, uh, um, wrote to us, I forgot what, and said that he was driving down the freeway listening to the Howard Stern show, and they played that clip from Francie and Friends. No kidding, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. You know, he pranked us about 12 times that same night. Yeah, time. yeah. Wow. Oh, boy. So that's really uh, cool. Let me, see. let me see if I can find it. Nick, I might There is a language... He has very improper language. <laughs> Howard Stern? Well, he yeah. wouldn't be Howard Stern <laughs> if he did. But uh, they might cut us off any time, though, too. So, um, but... On your uh, YouTube page, Nick. Huh? Well, again, just in case we do get cut off, I'm I'm hand to heart. Thank you both so much for this. This was, yeah, it was fun catching you. up and and chatting. It and was great hearing from you after a little while, you know, um, and uh, and see that you you got a new book and not only that a movie. So um, yeah, you've been hard at work. I've been uh, I got checking you out every once in a while online, seeing what projects you're doing and stuff. And I, I'm familiar with the Viking thing. I got to see that one too. Yeah, that one's so, gonna be wild. I'm I'm excited to see the the final outcome of that, and uh, yeah, all good stuff. So I appreciate you both very much. Yeah, we appreciate you too. That's always. This show tomorrow, and I don't want them to hear Howard love those girls. All right. We can send you a link for it. it it's on YouTube. Yeah, please do. I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Oh, man. He, 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 he berated us, man. And I knew it was him. I didn't know it was him. I just kept tra- taking the prank caller out of the This guy has nothing else to do but to berate us on a Sunday night. It turned out it was our. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, we That's absolutely that. crazy. All right. Matthew. I actually saluted you. You can't see it, though. <laughs> oh, well, right back at you, Francie. 
<laughs> Love you, Matthew. Right, right back at you. I'm so happy to talk to you again. And we will talk about you being on the show with Eddie Lingle. And the door just flew back open. So I got to close the door. Um, Go get it. Love you both. Thank right. you very much. And I will talk to you soon. Love you. Okay, Matthew. We will talk to you Take about it easy. Eddie Lingle's show. You too. Bye. Bye. I've heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord, but you don't really care for me. It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king composing, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.